know that there are important questions of life. Sometimes we get all caught up in things that we think are really important, but in reality, they're not uh, very significant at all. In fact, there are things that are urgent, but they aren't really important. But do you think about what is the real question of life? Today, we're going to look at what we find in the New Testament. When John the Baptist asked what I consider the greatest question of all time, he sent representatives to Jesus to ask, are you the one that we are looking for? Are you the one who is the Messiah? In reality, you and I have to do the same kind of thing. And we have to ask the important questions of life. Today, we're going to look at some of those from Luke chapter 7. I thank you for being with us. I want you to hear the word of the Lord, and here's the way I would put this. The most important thing we're going to do is to follow along and hear the reading of God's word. All of this came from the Lord, and all of it is given to us. So would you hear what the Lord has to say? We looked at Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 17 last week. We saw a centurion servant healed from afar. Jesus never saw him, certainly didn't touch him, and the man was healed. On another occasion, also in that passage, he was in the village of Nain and met a funeral possession, procession, and he raised up the man who had died without anybody asking him to do so and presented him to his widowed mother. So the, the disciples of John the Baptist went to John and told him all of these things. John was in prison. So calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they related what had happened. John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? 
No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury live in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom Malachi wrote, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. Jesus went on to say, to what then can I compare this generation? What are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other, we played the pipe for you, but you didn't dance. We sang a dirge, but you didn't cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, he has a demon. And the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. I love questions. Maybe I should say it this way. I love most questions. Because every now and then people will ask questions and you don't know what to do with those questions. My now 22-year-old grandson, when he was four, he would come to our house and he was the only grandchild. So he had the run of everything as most grandchildren do. And we had a stack, kind of felt like a closet full of board games that had been kept from our girls growing up. And they were in good shape and all of the pieces were there and, and everything. And so, so he would come over and he would want to play a board game, but not a board game he could play but the ones he couldn't play. I always, sorry was one of my favorites, kind of a mindless board game. Uh, kind of, it works out, you count around, a good thing to do, but he didn't want to play it. And so he chose the game of life. I'm not sure it's suitable for a 40-year-old to understand it, and certainly not for a four-year-old. So we go through the process, and I have to read everything to him, and I have to tell him what happens, and I have to tell him where his, whatever his little piece was, wherever it landed, but right in the middle of it, I'll never forget this, right in the middle of it, a four-year-old looks me in the eye, calls me by my grandfather's name, and says, Doc, what is life? And I waited just as long as you did. And I still haven't answered him. 
How do you define life? How do you define it to a four-year-old? There are all kinds of questions like that. They're good questions. John the Baptist in prison, in a terrible prison, awaiting a sentence. Remember, there was a real sentence. He was at the hand of a king, and the king had him beheaded. And John is living with all of that, and he hears about what Jesus has done, and he sends messengers and asks the question. I would say the greatest question. There can't be many more questions that that fit into the this group of questions. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Are you the Messiah? Are you the king of kings? Are you the son of God? Did God send you to us? Now, it's an amazing question because if anybody knew the answer, John knew the answer. After all, he baptized Jesus. He was there when the dove came from heaven. When the voice came from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is the one that John looked at and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one who was miraculously conceived and miraculously born, who was called to go before the, the, the coming king and prepare the way of the Lord. And John the Baptist lived in the wilderness, eating locust and wild honey and calling people to repentance and faith and preparing them for the coming of the Messiah. And now John is asking, are you the one? But I want to tell you, I don't blame John. I don't blame John for two reasons. Number one, we all ought to be asking questions, and we ought to be asking important questions. Most of us are asking questions about today or tomorrow or maybe next week. But we aren't asking the real questions of life. We aren't asking about the future. We aren't asking about who is God and where is God and how is God working in our world. And we aren't asking, God, what do you want me to do and how do you want me to live? It's good to ask questions, and it's good to ask questions that matter. It's good to seek the truth, to desire God, to know what does God want in me and in my life. And so John asked that greatest of questions, are you the one? Remember how Jesus spoke. 
He talked about truth. We need to be asking questions about the truth. Unfortunately, we live in a day in which people say there is no truth. In fact, there are people who absolutely, categorically believe that there is no, so strange, makes no sense, they absolutely believe there is no absolute truth. Just let that sink in a little bit. Nihilism has become the belief of the day. There is no truth. On the way to this idea that there is no truth, there are those people who say there is, there is your truth and there is my truth. There is no the truth. There's nothing that is true all the time. There's nothing that is completely true and not false. There is simply whatever I believe is true and whatever you believe is true. But that's not the way Jesus said it. Jesus said, I am the truth. And in reality, what was he saying? You never get to the real truth. You never get to the truth except by me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. In Scripture, we're told to earnestly seek God. Jeremiah 29, 11, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And the heart was a way of describing the whole self, the whole person, kind of like describing the soul, the whole person of our being, everything that is within us. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That verse we looked at last week, Hebrews eleven six. without faith it is impossible to please God. Because you must believe that God exists and you must know, you must trust, you must have faith that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So God wants us to ask those questions that move us toward earnestly seeking him of learning who he is and what he does. I also don't blame John because John was just like you and me. Now, you and I look at the Bible and we think, well, these people were superhuman. These were people who are so different than we are. But they were just like we are. Now, they lived 2,000 years plus ago, but they're just like you are. You, they, have the, they had the same feelings. They had the same concerns. They knew what anxiety was. They knew what worry was. They knew what discouragement was. They knew what depression was. They knew what, what life was like. John is in prison. He is awaiting his trial, and he's going to be executed. And here's what we can say. I can promise you that John had no more desire to die than you do. And that John dreaded dying a violent death just as you would dread dying a violent death. And John is alone in Machaerus, 
in the worst of the worst prisons. There's something to be said by being with, uh, about being with other people. And I would encourage you, if you go through discouragement, if you go through depression, if you go through anxiety, don't do it alone. Find people who care about you and be with them. Attend a worship service every week. Find a connect group. Find a prayer group. Find people who care about you. Find the right people and get involved in, 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 with them and let them get to know you. We all need people around us. God made us for relationships. And here is John alone in Macaris, not knowing what the future is going to hold, but having a pretty good idea what it is going to hold. And here in his discouragement, here in his depression, he sends to Jesus, are you the one or should we look for someone else? Don't be afraid to ask the really important questions. There's the second thing in this passage of Scripture. Not only is this the best question, it's also the best answer. Now think of the way Jesus could have answered. He could have said, oh, guys, go tell John, I've got everything taken care of. Don't worry about it. Jesus could have said, go tell John, John, don't you trust me? Trust me. But Jesus didn't say that. Jesus didn't tell him anything except what they could see. Isn't the best answer what you can experience for yourself? Isn't the best answer what you can see, what you can feel, what you experience? Those disciples came up and Jesus is in the Galilee area and he is, he is giving sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf and he is cleansing lepers and those things are happening and they are seeing them. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. And by the way, there are six works that Jesus said to tell John about. They're found in, in verses 28 and 20, uh, they're found in verses 22 and 23. Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Now, if you would go and look in, the, in Isaiah, the prophet, you would find three times in Isaiah when he is talking about the coming Messiah, he talks about the blind seeing and the deaf hearing and the lame walking. And in Isaiah 61, and he says, the good news will be proclaimed to the poor. Why was that a big deal? Because in Judaism, they thought that poor people 
were under the judgment of God. And they were under the judgment of God because of their sin. And so they were outcasts. And they weren't allowed into the places of worship. And they weren't allowed into groups. So Jesus said in telling that the good news is preached to everybody. The greatest answer is the one you can see and hear. And the greatest evidence is what God does in our lives. And when we see God changing us, when we see God making us better people, when we, when we see ourselves being sanctified, remember, that's to become like God. That is to, to be like him. When we see ourselves being sanctified and we see the work that God does in our lives, we know that God is real because he has worked within us and done something within us that we can't do for ourselves. The greatest answer is to, to see and hear what God is doing in people's lives. Now, maybe you, maybe you have doubts and questions. Let me encourage you to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Ask good questions. Ask serious questions of people who care. Ask them how they came to know Christ. Ask them why they persist in following Christ. Wouldn't that be a good question to ask? Let's see. You live in a world that has turned against Christianity and criticizes it on every turn. You live in a world where many times Christians are excluded from some places of business and some corporations. You live in a world where it's dangerous to speak up. So why don't you ask this question? What is it that makes you persist? Wouldn't that be something that has value? And if you really want to know the truth, isn't that a powerful question to ask? There's a third thing in this passage of Scripture. It's what Jesus says about John. And what he is saying is something along these lines. The greatest life is to know Christ. The greatest part of life is to know him and to offer him your life and to offer him your business and to offer him your job and to offer him your family and to make him the Lord and the master of your life. Isn't it amazing, there, there are several verses here that are difficult to know what to do with. One of them is this, I tell you, he, and he's talking about John, who did you go out to hear? He said, did you go out to, to hear a reed that moves in the wind according to whichever the way, way the wind is blowing? Did you go out into the wilderness? Did you have to make the journey did you experience the wilderness to find somebody who, who was seeing which way the wind was blowing and then following it? Of course not. 
Did you go out to see somebody in fancy clothes? No, John wore camel hair. He wore, he, he ate locust and wild honey. The people in expensive clothes live in palaces. Did you go to hear a prophet? Well, of course you did. But John is more than a prophet. So you think about Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Amos. He's more than a prophet. And then Jesus said these words, I tell you, among those born among, of women, that's all of us, there is no one greater than John. Wouldn't you love for Jesus to say that about you? Uh, well, he can't. Let me tell you why. Because this is what he says about you. Yet no one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. And yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. Now think about that. What does that mean? What Jesus is doing is talking about redemption. He is talking about the experience of knowing Christ. He is talking about the experience of being born again. He is talking about the experience of dying to self, of crucifying the flesh, and living for Christ. And what he is saying is there is nothing greater in life than to belong to God and to live in fellowship with him and to be a part of his kingdom. But here's the point. Everybody, would there be anybody here who didn't want to be in heaven if you died today? Would even the most skeptical or the most cynical not want to go to heaven? Is there anybody here who wouldn't want to be blessed of God? I can't imagine. it, And 99.9% .9 of us can't imagine it. But I want to tell you this. You can't have a kingdom without having a king. And so you got friends and family members. I want to go to heaven. I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. I just don't want to have anything to do with the king. Well, you can't be a part of the kingdom without the king. You can't be a part of the kingdom of God without making him the king of your life, without making him the Lord and the master of your life. This is what God has called for us. It is the greatest life possible to live in Christ Jesus, to belong to him. I love what a friend we have in Jesus. I was so thrilled. It didn't have anything to do with singing it, but I love that song. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a privilege. Listen, what a privilege to carry everything to him in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. By doing what? By not making him the king of our lives.
by not, by not letting him be the master and Lord, by, by not turning our lives over to him, by not saying, God, I want your wisdom, your guidance, your leadership in my life. I want to follow you and know you and live for you. The greatest life is in Christ. There's a fourth thing here, and that is the greatest hindrance, and it is an awful hindrance. Look again, verses 29 and 30. All the people, even the tax collectors, those were the lowest of the low, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. What did John said? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they had repented, and they knew it was God's way, and it was the right way. But the scribes, who were they? They were the teachers of the law, the Old Testament. And the Pharisees, they were the self-appointed policers of the law of the Old Testament. But they didn't turn to God. Why not? Notice what it says. But the Pharisees, the experts in the law, rejected God's purpose in themselves. They did that because of their self-centeredness. They did that because they were looking for themselves. You and I stand the constant threat of living a self-centered life. And when we look for self instead of looking to God, and all around us are people who have rejected God's purpose for themselves. So how do we do this? Uh, we do it in, in what some people who've never heard the gospel uh, find hard to believe. It simply means you surrender your life to God. It means that you receive the gift of his salvation. It means that you open your heart to him in faith and you ask him into your life. What will keep you from doing that? It's when you focus on self, when you reject the purpose of God in your life and you don't follow after him. But today you can follow him. And today, you're in a very good place to offer your life to God and to give your life to Him in faithfulness, in devotion, and let Him be the King so that you can be a part of His kingdom. So today, I want to ask you to do that. Open your life to God, to to give yourself to Him, to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior to talk with a pastor who will help you along with the next step in your life of where God wants you to be. And I want to ask those of you who know the Lord, but who kind of live from Sunday to Sunday without thinking of God, that you would ask, God, what is the next step in my life? And what do you want me to do that I might draw closer to you and that I might live closer to the King? I want to ask you to come to the Lord.
Let's pray together. Would you stand with me? And I'm going to pray, and as soon as I finish the prayer, it'll be time for you to come. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Lord Jesus. God, thank you for John. Thank you for honest questions of honest people. Thank you for the answer that gives life and hope and peace and joy and forgiveness and eternal salvation. God, there are people right this moment who are struggling. Should I walk forward? Should I not? God, would you draw them? Would you encourage them? Would you help them this day? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.